Hey, everybody. This is Only Dad's Podcast. We're coming to you on a Friday, December 15th. We want to apologize for not giving you guys a regularly scheduled episode, but, you know, life happens, guys. And as you know, I'm a rural carrier, and this is the busiest time of the year for us. So we're actually recording this at 830 at night. So uh, Ricky's actually a little later for him, him being in Georgia. So you guys, I hope you enjoy this episode. We're going to go over three topics. We're going to the first topic we're going to go over is the economy. The second topic we're going to go over is abortion. And the last topic is politics. So uh, without further ado, I guess we'll get, begin with the economy. Now, as everybody knows, uh, I'm a federal employee. So my retirement is in what you would call the thrift savings plan, TSP. And I can choose to invest in a life cycle fund, which matures towards my retirement date, or there's index funds. And the index funds that uh, I use, that I choose, are the C fund and the I fund. And the C fund is the Fortune 500 companies. Yeah. And so that's it's a more riskier investment, so to speak, but it has a lot of potential upside. And this is no different. Now, if you guys have been following the news, the federal, the feds paused the interest rate hike. And this is the first time they've done that. They've actually uh, raised it the past three times because they wanted to curb inflation because they wanted to tamp down on that inflation. Prices were too high. But now we have a strong, roaring economy coming back. And because of that, they paused it. And then next year, they're set to lower the interest rate for three times next year. And for the first time since the pandemic, mortgage rates have fallen below 7%. This is great news. Now, on the hearing of this news, the stock market, the Dow Jones average, closed above 37,000. This is the first time that's ever happened in the history of the stock market. More than Trump, more than any other president. And because of that, I looked at my TSP account and my TSP grew $1,000 overnight. Just off that. So, Ricky, what are your thoughts? Yeah, so uh, a couple of things there. Inflation, uh, just simply put, it's, you know, the average rate at the increased price of like goods, right? So fucking milk, eggs, bananas, whatever, everything you buy. Shit gets more expensive. And I want to say the annual, like typically what you can expect uh, mathematically is like a 2% increase every year, right? So like that's what they call keeping up with inflation. So like, you know, a, what a burger costs you today, 50 years ago, we all seen those old ass ads as like 50 cent burgers, you know? And then 50 years from now, burgers are going to be more expensive. So that's inflation. It's just naturally uh, things get more expensive, I guess. I don't fucking know. Um, but the way this ties in with the Fed, what you're saying is what the Federal Reserve does is it sets interest rates between banks whether um, and the way banks get money from the Federal Reserve. So banks lend you money and everybody, right? They lend us money. They're going to lend us money with a certain interest rate. And that interest rate is going to go up or down based on how they get their money. So if they get cheap money, they're going to give it to us cheaper. Now, when the Fed hikes the rates and they raise it up, now our money costs more. So when we do things like take a loan out to fix our house, take a loan to buy a house, take a loan to start a small business, uh, a loan for a car, right? All this that you you got the uh, when you're trying to use capital for whatever, that becomes more expensive. So what this does, it prevents people from doing that naturally. People don't want to do it. And the reason why this was a big deal was because during COVID, uh, the Chinese economy halted. All of a sudden, houses aren't being built. So then now 
the houses that are available are more expensive. So then the houses that are more expensive, like, you know, we all saw that the COVID bubble, right? The housing market exploded. Houses were going for insane prices because there just wasn't enough material to build the homes because the Chinese economy has slowed down. And that's where we get a lot of timber and just a lot of raw materials. Um, so all this translates into other shit being more expensive. Oil, um, gasoline, the price to get a thing from point A to point B costs more now. Everything comes more expensive. Um, the reason why the Fed is lowering it is a good, the reason why that's a good thing is because now things are going to be a little bit cheaper because banks can now lend out money to more people. Things can get done. Um, you know, houses can be built cheaper, all that. So that's good. And you're saying that they're going to lower it three times next year. That's a really good fucking sign because you're right. The housing market has been, uh, slowed because of the high interest rates. You know, I was trying to refor- uh, re- refinance my mortgage and it was looking like 8%. And I was like, I'm not going to fucking, why would yeah. I? I have, I have my, my interest rate right now is like 2.5%. Why the fuck would I give up a 2.5% mortgage for an 8% mortgage? Like you're you're losing money. So that's why it's, you know, when people call, talk, talk about the economy, talk about like, oh, it's not the right time. Like that's what they're referring to. Just money moving between these huge, you know, industries, between banking, between real estate, between fucking oil. Like it's all interconnected and it's very complicated. Um, but hopefully that gives you a little bit of better understanding. So I looked at my TSP, I think, like, earlier this week. Uh, so when did they announce this? Do you, do you remember when it was? They announced it just, like, the other day. Like, uh, today's Friday, so they must have announced it Wednesday. Wednesday, I, I believe. I think I checked it Monday. And so I'm going to check it again. And I have a very good understanding of how much money I had in there. Because when I saw it, I was like, oh, okay, that, that sounds about right. So I'm going to check it do again. Do you do the index funds or do you do the life cycle funds? I do index for now. Okay. Because which is good, I think there's more upside. The life cycle was is more. It's good guaranteed growth, but it's like one percent. Bro, it's slow as fuck. Yeah, it's slow. So anybody listening out there, you know, if you're talking, this this is retirement accounts we're talking about. Since we're both federal employees, uh, you know, me being an active duty service member for now, and Rafa being, uh, you know, employee of the USPS, we have the ability to put our money into the TSP, which is a thrift savings plan. So that's for federal employees. Uh, we put money in there and we have ability to put it in separate like pots and some of these pots grow at different rates uh and what we're talking about is the c fund which is supposed to mirror the s p 500 which is the 500 biggest uh companies on the on the uh, new york stock exchange um what it does is it, it puts your money into a little bit of each company and when the the collective 500 does better your money does better um so if you're looking at a retirement account i i i think the 500 is the best way because it's never going to go down you know, typically, if you zoom out, it's only going up. If you zoom in, like maybe there was a bad couple months here and there, um, yeah. but zooming out, like it's always going to go up because the you know we just the country just keeps doing better. Like we haven't gone down since, you know, really down since like 2018. But even then, we're back up. Or not 2018, 2000 and uh, 2007. But you know, the housing market. And then that, yeah, and I got and I got pretty aggressive with my my investment strategy. Mainly, it's like 80. 80-20 now into C. But that being said, guys, our second topic is going to be abortion. Uh, as you know, the overturning of Roe Ro versus Wade, uh, which was basically 50 years of precedent upon precedent, just wiped out with the Supreme Court r- ruling. And uh, as you know, if this is a red state, Texas, and this obviously no one likes abortion here, according to politics. And Ken Paxton, our attorney general here in the t- state of Texas, uh, recently took a woman to court 
uh, because she asked for she asked the court. She went through the legal process. She had the the resources available to her. Her name is Kate. Uh, she asked, "Hey, get a temporary injunction on this abortion ban in Texas so that I can get a, an abortion." Why does she want an abortion? Her unborn fetus had tisonomy eighteen. I'm not sure I'm pronouncing that correctly, but basically, if the baby were to go to term. The baby would only survive for a few moments yeah. after birth. Okay. And the life of the mother was in danger because if she had it, she's had two C-sections before. And if she would have had the baby, it put her life in danger. And this baby had no viability outside the womb, even if, the, even if she carried the term. So her life was at risk. And her medical, her medical provider, her doctor, said that she, should, she needs one. But she couldn't get one. And so she so she went to the courts and the first court said, yes. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll put an injunction on the thing that, to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court said, yeah, you don't have it. So she was forced to leave the state to get an abortion. Now, why do I bring that up? Because the biggest thing, the biggest proponents of the abortion ban was there's room for exceptions, rape, incest, or life of the mother. This was a classic example of life of the mother was in jeopardy, and they still didn't do it. And it's pretty funny because there was another course, another case uh, argued before a different court where they said, did, did anybody, any lawmaker in the state of Texas tell you to get your abortion? And did Ken Paxson say no? And then Ken Paxson really made this case, took it before the Supreme Court and argued that this person is not uh, life's in danger. Her life is not in danger. And him, a fucking elected bureaucrat, a, an elected politician, said he knows more than her doctor. This guy used to work at J.C. Penney's. You can look that up. And he thinks he knows more than her doctor. That shit's scary. And we shouldn't believe politicians when they say, oh, we can create these exceptions because this this was the exception, and they still didn't honor it. So, Ricky, kind of what are your thoughts? Yeah, so a lot of good points there. So the fact that a politician is saying, hey, we know better than you. Well, first of all, the, the abortion ban in Texas is ridiculous. Uh, but putting that aside, a politician saying that I know more than your doctor is concerning because we're seeing more and more the government's overreach into our autonomy as people, um, specifically with COVID. But you look at, again, you're saying elected official, a bureaucrat, um, whatever his position is, you have a doctor telling you this is the life of the mother that's at risk. If that provision's already in there and it, it's almost like, yeah, we're going to put it in there just so people don't quote unquote freak out, right? So then that way the Republican talking points, the people can say, hey, look, it's going to be, it's going to be, um, you know, infrequent. It's going to be rare. It's going to be, uh, only under these circumstances, it's almost like they're lying just to kind of keep us at bay so that we don't freak out and, re and rebel. And then when something like this does happen and whenever they don't implement those exceptions, it kind of proves that point. So it, it kind of makes me wonder, like, what the fuck is why is it written in there then? Because, you know, the legal system's slow and you're talking about gestation of a child. Like, it's only going to get worse with more and more time. Like, there are cases that go on for fucking years and you're talking about nine months you know you even take it down below that you tell you talk about 
you know, women don't even know they're pregnant until, you know, eight weeks in because then maybe they've missed the first period. And then after the second time, you know, after the second cycle missed, that's when they can confirm between, you know, eight to 12 weeks is when that, hey, I know I'm pregnant kind of thing happens. Uh, Really 12 weeks is when it's like confirmed. And so now you're talking about, okay, so you got, you don't have a lot of time to sit around and wait for fucking course to tell you what to do or tell you what you can do. Yeah. And this, her name is Kate Cox. She's 31. She lives in the Dallas area. She has a husband and two kids. She's about 20. She was about 20 weeks in her third pregnancy and her fetus had trisonomy 18 genetic condition with slim to no chance of survival. She suffered cramping and other symptoms severe enough to send her to the emergency room multiple times in a two week period. She believes she was a good candidate for the, to the narrow exception to the three overlapping abortion bans in Texas. That exception says abortion is allowed when a mother's life is threatened or when a pregnancy poses a serious risk of substantial impairment of a major bodily function. Now, I think what the scariest thing for me is, is that this is a politician, not a doctor, literally telling a woman what she can and cannot do. There is a show on Netflix that was like hyperbole of how crazy it can get in the man's world. I don't know what, you know what, what show I'm talking about? No. It's like, they're all like, like, like nuns. I'll look it up. But basically, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're talking about Handmaid's Tale. Yeah, yeah, Handmaid's Tale. Yeah, it's legit. So it's scary that it's, this is real world consequences that are happening in our legal system, our justice system, in our state of politics. And that's scary. That that is so scary that this guy knows more than you and basically telling you what you can do with your body. So if there's any of our uh, female listeners out there, you have a you have a voice and you have a right. And I say you exercise that right to vote like your life depended on it, because Kate Cox's life was literally threatened. And if she didn't have the resources to travel out of state to get an abortion, she'd probably be eventually not make it. But uh, that's kind of any last words on abortion before we move into our last topic, Ricky. Yeah, so a little bit deeper on that. So the way it worked, just for y'all. So Kate asked, basically what she did, she asked for permission. Mm -hmm. Citing the exception, the judge said, yes, we agree. But what ended up happening was the attorney general, who is the state's attorney um, for Texas, what you're saying, uh, Ken Paxson, He's the one who appealed it to the Supreme Court, basically putting a pause on that. So it's almost like, hey, you go to mom for permission. Mom says yes. Dad comes in and is like, well, let's go ask grandma. Like, what the fuck are we doing here? You know, and now we got to wait for grandma to say yes or no before this person's life is at stake, before that decision is happening. So she made the bold decision to go out of state. And it's a very public case. So she's probably facing a lot of hate. You know, she like, again, you know, her, you know, her name, there's articles written about her. Texas is a very red state. So now she has to face all that, you know, cultural backlash. So and again, she didn't do anything wrong. She's like, hey, I think I, I think I'm following the rules. She's doing what she's supposed to do as a citizen instead of getting a fucking back alley abortion, putting her life further at risk. And the system still wasn't there. And then the Supreme Court of Texas decided to rule against her and in favor of Ken Paxson. Now, whether or not that was their decision because the abortion had already taken place, I don't know. Um, no, it didn't, it didn't take place. They, they they did something after she left the state to get an abortion, but they basically rolled against her. And that's what the scary part is. So, uh, guys, uh, our last topic is going to be politics. We're going to hit on two two presidents, one former, one current. Uh, the first, the House officially started the inquiry into impeachment proceedings against Joe Biden. Uh, now, as you remember, when the last Congress 
opened up impeachment of Donald Trump, there was specific allegations and specific charges. In this impeachment inquiry, there's no specific allegations or specific charges. They're just putting the cart before the horse, in my opinion, where they're searching for it, a charge or a wrongdoing after they launch it. Usually you're supposed to see the wrongdoing and then launch it to find out more, not the other way around. Now, uh, there was a lot of conversations and a lot of questions posed to the Republicans like, hey, what charges are there? What's what what wrongdoing in, is on there? And they couldn't articulate articulate the the problem or the wrongdoing, the, the high crimes and misdemeanors. That's the the term using the Constitution yeah. while you go for impeachment. So uh, that's happened. That's on right now on Joe Biden, but also on Donald Trump in the legal system. Jack Smith, the special prosecutor that was hired to investigate election fraud, and they've been going through the court system. And the latest ruling was the special counsel asked the Supreme Court to answer the question on whether a formal president, former president has absolute immunity. That's something that Trump's team has been claiming. He has immunity and he should avoid prosecution. All the lower courts have ruled against Trump in that case. And this is extraordinary because Jack Smith could have went to the Court of Appeals, but since Trump keeps appealing, he's in order to keep that March trial date that's set for next year, he appealed it directly to the Supreme Court. Now, this is there's been precedent set on this. The same thing happened with Richard Nixon. And when he had the tapes and he didn't want to hand them over to Congress. So they sued and went up to the Supreme Court and Supreme Court ruled that, no, you have to hand over the tapes. So the Supreme Court did issue, say, hey, we'll look at it. And he gave Trump's team uh, to the end of this month to respond. And on that same filing that Jack Smith made to the Supreme Court, he also made it to the D.C. Court of Appeals and asked for a expedited ruling. They called it uh, an expedited ruling so that they can take the case and look at it so they can speed up the process. And they asked the Supreme Court the same way. So we'll keep you updated on if the Supreme Court rules one way or the other. And uh, Ricky, kind of what are your thoughts so far on Joe Biden impeachment inquiry and the latest rulings on the Trump indictment? So similar to what kind of how you felt about the impeachment inquiry, what they're saying is high crimes and misdemeanors um, and they're wrapping it around the supposed collusion, the alleged collusion rather with foreign uh, foreign money, uh, you know, presumably Russia and Ukraine um, cryptocurrency, money laundering, Hunter Biden, that kind of thing. Um, I don't, it's, it's being called political. Uh, maybe it's now that we see the new speaker of the house being, uh, kind of a little bit more on the far right, a little bit more leading that way. Maybe this is something that they're doing to, uh, to kind of even the, the playing field as it were for Trump, um, for his run in 2024. That could possibly be it because Trump is still running. He's still the front runner for the Republican Party. And so it would if I'm the Republican Party, it makes sense to, hey, we're going to, quote unquote, get back at you kind of thing. Um, and in the Trump side, uh, this ruling just came out. Uh, Giuliani, which was Trump's uh, Trump's attorney, is being ruled or was ruled to pay one hundred and twenty or one hundred and forty eight million dollars uh, to Georgia and to Georgia election officials. 
for definitely yeah, two, two Georgia election workers who he called out by name. Yep. And they were just doing their job and they got a lot of death threats. So that was a defamation yes. case. But you did mention Hunter Biden. And it was funny because the House is investigating Hunter Biden to say try to tie uh, Biden to that. But Hunter Biden is jo- Joe Biden's son. And they wanted to close hearing. The Republicans did. And Hunter Biden said, hey, you did offer me the opportunity and the option to have an open hearing in front of the public where nothing could be, he said, she said, where the entire, like on, everybody can hear it and judge for themselves. And so he came to Congress and say, Hey, I'm here. And they held him contempt. Uh, I don't know if they're going to issue any uh, rulings on it where you get the DOJ involved, but Hunter Biden did show up and he had a press conference saying, Hey, I'm here but only in the open, not behind closed doors. Because when you're behind closed doors, as he said, she said, and they can screw the narrative. So I thought that was a good move on Hunter Biden's part. Uh, it remains to be seen what becomes of that. But now that they le- launched this impeachment inquiry, they have a little more weight ju- and on the judicial side. So uh, I'm curious to see what that looks like. But that's kind of the latest on the politics realms on it. But Ricky, you have anything you want to add on that? Yeah, so for... To, to for Trump's attorney or yeah for Trump's legal represent representing team to say hey he has absolute or you know whatever immunity that goes against the reason we have fucking checks and balances that goes against the reason we have uh, the the entire court system and the House of Representatives he is well any president is the chief executive so they're the ones that are in that role evenly with the Supreme Court, evenly with the House of Representatives. It's not one is better than the other one. It's just that these are just separate uh, separate powers that we have in this nation. So to kind of say, hey, well, like I'm the president, I can kind of do that, whatever I want at that time, that doesn't make any fucking sense to me. Um, and so I would suspect, I would suspect that the Supreme Court, uh, when looking at that case, even if they are conservative, they understand I would like to imagine that this case would mean that the Supreme Court and the court system in general has less authority over over the governing body um, that they're supposed to check. So, to me, that doesn't make any sense that they would that they would rule in favor for Trump using the argument that Trump had an immunity, so to speak, because that that just blows my fucking mind. Um, I'm gonna look a little into it, but that it, it would make sense that they would rule against him that he he's gonna lose that one. And there's Supreme Court precedent that said that as of a Trump, if the president acted within the outer perimeter of the law, and that's the legal uh, gray area. But basically, you're not immune. You're not above prosecution. Now, a president does have immunity from lawsuits, civil, like you, because you, you know, don't want a president bog, bogged down in lawsuits, civil lawsuits. So he has that, but yeah, only yeah. Yeah. In your official capacity. But when you're when you're not acting in your official capacity, trying to overthrow the government, so to speak, uh, I don't I don't I don't I think my prediction is that the Supreme Court is going to rule against Trump and in favor of the government. And I think it's going to I don't know if it's going to be unanimous because Samuel Alito and Justice Clarence are really political diehards. If there's anybody who's going to rule against it, I think it'll be those two. But I feel I still think the DOJ is going to prevail. And it's going to be a majority decision, if not, if not, if not unanimous against Trump, because no president is above the law. And this uh, this president is no different. And you can't overthrow the government. But I'm glad that it's in the Supreme Court because this is the 
final arbiter. And keep in mind, guys, Trump appointed a ton of justices. Four? Amy Comey Barrett, uh, Brett Kavanaugh, and Neil Gorsuch. That's three in his in his tenure. He appointed three of those justices. So if it comes out and it, they roll against him, there's going to be no uh, partisan politics on that. That's straight up. That's the law. That's what it says in the Constitution. So you can't say that. And especially when Trump appointed three of them and they there's a solid conservative majority on the Supreme Court. So that's kind of the thoughts that we'll end here. We'll leave it here with guys. Yeah. Any tips, comments or suggestions? Uh, only dad's podcast at gmail.com. Uh, as you guys know, Ricky's getting out of the army. Uh, so, Ricky, when uh, when are you leaving? How many days left? Seventy-four days, guys. Only dad's podcast.